Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Do We Know Them, episode 36. I am Jesse Smiles here with Lily Marston, and we are here for a fun-packed day, are we not? Oh my god, you guys, our first interview, and then some other random stuff that you guys told us to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's mainly the interview. We wanted to sprinkle in some other topics because we've never done an interview before, so putting out just an interview felt too different for us. So we're, we're squeezing it in here. But uh, as you saw from the title, we will be interviewing Stephen Marcus Relaford. If you followed along for the Deaf Noodles journey, saga, trilogy, what is Era. it? I don't even know what it is at this point. You know who Stephen Marcus Relaford is. He was Deaf's right-hand man. And we found out some pretty interesting stuff. I'm going to just say that much. So you're going to want to stick around for the interview or go to it, whatever. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. But um, it's exciting. And I'm really glad we got to do it. And I'm glad he came on. And uh, yeah, but before that, we do have a topic. And this one actually has been a topic I feel like people have been suggesting for a while because it's been ongoing and I just haven't really cared, understood why. (laughs) I don't know. So basically, we're going to briefly talk about um, Hailey Bieber and versus Selena Gomez, allegedly. I don't know. I I feel like some of the stuff I see, I'm like, oh, that does seem kind of shady. But then other stuff feels like such a reach that people are saying that I'm like, am I missing something? Like, that's how I feel most of the time. Hailey Bieber, if you guys don't know the brief backstory, obviously niece to Alec Baldwin? Yes. Question mark? Which I think it's funny. Like, why does no one ask her about Ilaria? I know. (laughs) I was about to say, this is part of the Ilaria universe. But um, Hailey Bieber, formerly known as Hailey Baldwin, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. She um, obviously related to Alec Baldwin, so always grew up in that world, but was a super fangirl of both Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber when she was younger. Uh-huh, which makes things a little awkward because you might remember um, that Justin Bieber was actually with Selena Gomez for a long time. And people, I'm sensing almost that there's kind of a mix because I, I said I have seen some clips that do make me raise a little bit of an eyebrow, but then a lot of the time I think it's just like diehard Jelena stands that have still not gotten over the fact that they broke up and are like not okay with the fact that he's married. Which I have to say, you have to be around our age. Like, because I feel like Justin and Selena fans are millennials now. And if you are still like hardcore, like bashing Haley for marriage, like you as an adult, life, like expeditiously. I maybe reevaluate things. <laughs> Maybe, because that's so, uh, that is too sad, even for me. But so basically, people really, really watch Haley with a magnifying Uh glass. I remember seeing on TikTok a bunch of shit. Like, they have this theory that, like, Justin doesn't love her. You know, have you seen that? Like, where he'll, like, slam the door on her face. Which, like, sure, I would kill my husband if he did. But obviously, it could have been he he was distracted. Like, we don't know. People uh, like to pick apart things in their relationship without even mentioning Selena, but then also mentioning Selena as well. There was one, too, where um, Justin seemed like he was berating her, like, screaming at her. But then you see the extended clip, and he's just, like, rapping or something to her, like, excited. So, yeah, don't believe everything you see. But so most recently, what has had everyone up in a tiff um there was two things first selena gomez put actually i think there's three things technically at first selena gomez posted so i guess people were fat shaming her 
And then she posted something on, she talked on a live and mentioned that she retains a lot of water weight and stuff from her lupus. And- Oh my God. People shouldn't be commenting on your weight anyway, but that's really sad that she would even have to explain that. But then I guess she makes a comment like, I'm never gonna be a model. I like, I'm never gonna be one of those girls or something. And then later, Haley and Kylie posted, I think it was on Haley's um, TikTok. They posted to that sound, like, I'm not saying she deserved it, but I'm saying God is always right to the like auto-tune noise. And that is a super outdated audio too. That hasn't been used in years. Funny you bring that up because Haley did delete it and then said like, oh my God, it was just a fun sound we were doing with friends and like tried to just play it off like it was no big deal. And then it was totally taken out of context, which, Absolutely, could have been. But it is interesting to point out that it is not a new sound. So she's with Kendall in it, not Kylie. Same difference. <laughs> but Kylie comes into play later. Oh my God. Have you seen the Kendall Jenner Bad Bunny controversy? Oh, no. That literally Bad I, Bunny I was saw just that seen they were like, allegedly, yeah, but... they were like exiting a club together and the collective Latin world lost their ever loving fucking mind. They're like anybody but the Kardashians. That's basically it. You mean they didn't just go celebrate with her tequila? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm not saying she deserved it, but I'm saying God's timing is always right. So that was right after she started receiving all of the fat shaming. This one I thought was kind of a reach because it just like, is she saying she deserved fat shaming? Like that doesn't feel like. Well, obviously they're shading someone. I don't think it was Selena. And I think it might've just been very unfortunate timing. Yeah. Doesn't seem like hard hitting evidence that will stand up in court. Exactly. I think after that is when like Haley tried to kind of like diffuse the situation. And then Selena posts, I don't know which one was first. She posts something about Bella Hadid, but play this one first. I accidentally laminated my brows too much. <laughs> Apparently she says that, and then right afterwards, Kylie posted this, which is, I guess, just a picture, and said this was an accident, question mark, which, again, I don't really understand, like, it just feels kind of weird, but then the next one is showing a screenshot of her FaceTiming Kylie, and it's them zooming in on their eyebrows. What a weird shade, though, you know what I mean? Like, if this was intentional, like, ouch, I guess? Like, how's that shade? That's my point. I'm like, it's kind of weird comments. Like, they don't totally line up with actually being, I guess this would insinuate that they were talking about her, which sucks, but like, what are they saying? Like, I don't know. It's not, hit, it's not hitting me hard, Lily. It's just not hitting. I, I agree. I'm not coming here as a <laughs> Jelena stan. I don't really care. I'm just pointing out that that's what people are saying. After that, a bunch of stuff just started coming on my TikTok because people like uh, Haley posted a new Instagram and like all of the comments are just attacking her and being oh. like, he doesn't even love you. And I'm like, Huh? Bro, what the fuck? That is so... Karma's a bitch. You can't be putting that energy out into the world. That's fucked. It's just all really strange. So again, I kind of feel like I'm missing something, but then I did start getting served a bunch of videos on my TikTok. So I guess simultaneously while Haley's like being a mean girl and shading Selena, she's also simultaneously copying everything she does, which more broad spectrum, like having a cooking show, having a skincare line, Selena's a skincare line, yeah? She's rare beauty. I don't know if it's makeup. Regardless, supposedly Haley's copying like her career and stuff and apparently her husband. Now people are pointing out in interviews like very specific things she says that are exactly things Selena has said in interviews. And it is oh a little God. strange. Okay, let's see. The intention behind the performance, I knew that I wanted it to be all of me because 
Somebody asked me a while ago, what's the one thing you wish people knew about you? And I said I wanted it to be my heart. It's just hard because I always felt like, before Seasons came out, I really felt like I always battled with the idea that people didn't really know me. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know Haley for Haley. And I just always had this constant battle where I was saying, I wish people just knew my heart. So, given this is a very generic sentiment, eh, I don't not. think, I think a lot of celebrities probably feel this way, but it is similar. If she would have said, I wanted it to be my heart, then yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's, eh, again, nah. a little bit of a reach. Like, it could be true, but I don't feel like this is hard-hitting evidence. At the end of the day, I think what a lot of this is, is just people reaching and making stuff up when there's nothing there, because I don't feel like this helps either of them. It's like, yeah, all promotions get promoted. At a certain point though, is it? Like if they're both getting hate from all this, I don't think they would be trying to do more. And didn't they just recently, I wanna say a couple months ago, take a picture at an event to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. squash all this bullshit? And that's like, I thought kind of everything would be done then, but no. People refuse. They just, they want there to be a fight. Which by the way, I have to say, if you're a true Jelena stan, then you would understand they were both super fucking toxic for each other and in no universe should be together. There's videos of them buying drugs. Oh, haven't seen those. <laughs> I mean, you don't actually see, allegedly, you don't actually see drugs being exchanged, but it's like them in like at these places where they're like, they're apps, that's all they're, the only reason they would be there is to buy drugs. Huh? All right. Hey, I got Justin Bieber here at the Swami though. Right here in my hood, homie. MS gang. I seen you, bro. Have a good one. I just saw Bieber. I just seen Bieber. Leave it to Bieber. That's crazy. That shit's crazy. Hey, that shit was Justin Bieber. That's Justin Bieber for you guys. He's in Hollywood. The worst, the worst part of it too. That's really Bieber. Hey Bieber, I fuck with you. Nah, not really, homie, but you famous. Oh my God. Well, like, they, yeah, they were both bad for each other. And you can say whatever you want. Like, at the very least, if you want to say Justin, like, seems a little disinterested in, in Haley, I think he's disinterested in general, like, in life. But anyway, let's let's keep seeing it. Listen, I'm, I'm open to, to hearing the people's case. I, honestly, I don't think there's much more. Have you seen the one where they compare that they both say okie dokie. Are you kidding? It was because they both, okay, so Selena had her chef show, which I actually saw on HBO Max, it was good. Um, and then Haley got a cooking show, which that's more compelling than that's, this. And I know a lot of people were like, oh my God, how dare she copy her? I mean, that's more compelling than this. Um, so Haley got a show after Selena's show. And then while Selena's on the show, apparently she says okie dokie a lot. And then they have like one clip of Haley Bieber putting something in the oven going okie dokie. And they're like, you see? <laughs> the dots connect. It's so absolutely bizarre. But the cooking show thing, I guess, but like they give cooking shows out to a lot of people, no? Actually, no. I don't, well, I think it's more so even during the pandemic, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of, like cooking was such a thing that everyone was doing that it kind of lines up, but I don't know. Tend to hold a lot of water weight and that happens very normally. And then when I'm off of it, I tend to to kind of lose weight. Really, guys? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's, that is such I a just, stupid feature. I, I just the, wanted to like, say people and pay encourage and put, that gets put on your anyone face. out there <laughs> who feels... Oh, 
I'm sorry. I find that a little bit funny. It just was like such bad time to like put a cowboy hat and a stash on. <laughs> really? I actually know this one guy who gets a bunch of gifts on TikTok by literally begging people not to put a hat on him. And everyone's just putting oh hats God, on him. Oh my God, and then they do. So yeah, he gets pissed. They are what helps me. So yeah, not a model, never will be. And thanks for supporting me and understanding. And if not, go away. Cause honestly, I, I don't believe in shaming people for body or anything. <laughs> Selena, be my friend. Remember your, do we know them? She followed me on Instagram once, but then she unfollowed me. Oh, that's so sad, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's been a couple of years now and I'm still not over it. One last video that is, I think, the one that for some reason, like, didn't send. It's one clip and it's like Hailey Bieber showing her true colors. And it's um, it's her on a show and the person references Taylor Swift and she does like a eh. Which it aligns Ooh. just because Taylor and Selena are best friends. So oh. people are like, well, maybe there's something deeper there. The one-on-one -on -one rap battle. Full of the meanest lyrics about a celebrity since Taylor Swift's last album. Oh. So that oh, does give like another <laughs> perspective to her. So she doesn't like Taylor Swift because she's probably friends with Selena Gomez. Which, well, I know Selena, I know Taylor Swift hates like Justin yeah, Bieber. Yeah, yeah, I was like literally Taylor Selena. Swift probably would have done that exact thing, same thing if <laughs> they had been mentioning Justin Bieber. But um, yeah, so I don't know. That is a clip that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, hi, Lily here. Quick update, because apparently this situation did not end there. You know the TikTok we just showed you where Hailey Bieber is shading Taylor Swift? Yes, well, it seems like Selena Gomez has also seen that TikTok because she decided to comment on it saying, so sorry, my best friend is and continues to be one of the best in the game. So there's that. Then she went live on TikTok and said this. And yeah, I'm gonna be taking a second from social media because it's, this is a little silly. And I'm 30, I'm too old for this, so. But I love you guys so much. <laughs> and I will see you guys um, sooner than later. I just, I'm gonna just take a break from everything. And along with that, she also commented on another video, which I couldn't really tell what the video was because it was someone screenshotting it in a TikTok. But apparently Selena commented on a video saying, I'm getting off social media. I have every right to defend my friends. Say whatever you want about me, but my people I'd die for. Thanks so much. And on top of that, apparently Selena also decided that she was gonna leave some comments on some fan TikToks. One of which is this. I'm gonna be honest, I haven't had much of an opinion of Selena Gomez in general, like pretty neutral. However, now with these mean girls coming at her fucking throat, disgusting, despicable behavior from the Nepo babies, like it makes me want to vomit. I am now the biggest Selenator, Selenator to ever exist. Selena Gomez, we write it Dawn. I am now your number one fan. I'm gonna stream all your shit. I'm following you on all your accounts, girl. I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is like traumatizing these bitches. God, I hate mean girls. I hate them. Just come out of the closet already, Kylie. We get it. You're struggling. Just come out of the fucking closet. So that was a girl blatantly talking about the Haley, Kylie, Selena situation. And Selena comments on it. I love you. So that kind of feels like, you know, a confirmation of something. And then also she decided to comment on this one. Does anybody just ever feel like really bad for Selena Gomez? Like, can you imagine going through a breakup so publicly with a guy that you were in love with for like seven years and then like two months later you just like marry someone and then you have like a chronic illness or an autoimmune disease sorry i don't know too much about lupus but i can't imagine that it's fun 
and living with that and the flare-ups and just having to live with it within the public eye while people are watching you and then dealing with mental health when life is hard enough already honestly like kudos to her for being so brave and so public and just like so open about her journey but I bet if we ever walked a day in her shoes where like everything is so publicized and like you say one thing and everything everybody comes after you and like all this stuff like that'd be so hard and so whenever I think about a hard day I think about Selena Gomez which is I feel bad saying that but I'm like if she can do it everybody can which doesn't specifically reference the fight but just kind of talks about how Selena's life is kind of hard which I totally agree but she also commented on this one and said this made me cry. So yeah. Then she deleted her TikTok and yeah, that that's where we're at, I think. But I, I didn't think there was anything going on, but Selena's kind of making me think otherwise now. Love that. What do you guys think? Well, listen, that was just a fun little sprinkle, but we have some we have some hard hitting journalism coming oh, yes, your way. That. So don't you worry. This isn't no empty episode, okay? How do we preface this interview, Lily. Well, before we dive in, should we do a quick word from our sponsor? You guys, sponsored oh, right. third week in a row. Such a uh, such an exciting announcement. No, seriously, <laughs> never thought this would happen, but um, thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. As Jesse said, today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc, which if you're unfamiliar, ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. And honestly, I mean, if I can, not call a doctor's office, that's gonna be my number one. And I'm fully on board. <laughs> and we've already talked about, you know, self-diagnosing on TikTok and the so-called medical experts and their wonderful advice and the rabbit holes that yes. you could fall into. Just uh, scrolling through TikTok, trying to find out what your symptoms mean. Don't do that. Okay, use ZocDoc. <laughs> Taking actual action and using ZocDoc to find a real doctor might be a better course of action for you. Also, you wanna find quality doctors. You don't want to go to an office and be treated just like another number and rushed out of the office. You want to find quality doctors who are gonna give you their time and attention and figure out what you need. Especially when you're trying to find like a specialist and someone that's in your insurance network, it can get super complicated and ZocDoc makes it super easy and you can do it all just from your phone. You can choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information and get the care you need. If you want to try ZocDoc, go to ZocDoc.com DWKT and download the ZocDoc app for free. <laughs> that round. Then you can find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com DWKT, ZocDoc.com DWKT. Thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. We love you. We do. Okay, so Steven. Yes, time for our big interview. Really quickly, I just, I would like to like, I mean, most people know who Steven was, you know, right? Question mark. I feel like what, if you watched, I mean, I know our lives for the Deaf Noodles roasts and stuff aren't up anymore, but if you did see those roasts, he was hosting a lot of them. He was on stage. He was seemingly the one that was always trying to bring real in. Real in the horse, you know what I'm saying? And like I said last episode, he was a little reluctant to come on and do this interview with us, but I was really surprised that he ultimately decided to. I think you guys are gonna like this, so. I was gonna say, I mean, he was reluctant until he wasn't, and then he spilled a lot of things that I really didn't expect. We interviewed him yesterday, so the timeline here is, we already know what he's gonna yeah. say. Um, let's just get to it. All right, guys, so for our first interview ever on Do We Know Them, we have Stephen Marcus Relaford. I, I have to admit, I 
didn't see this coming. Thank you for joining us, though. We appreciate it. <laughs> yes, welcome. Hi, Stephen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Lily. I appreciate it. Yeah, I didn't see this coming either. So uh, this is a surprise for all of us. Stephen, I have a question. Do, do we have beef we need to squash before we proceed? Or are we... I guess terms. actually before that, do you know us? Do you know who we are? You know, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I know no. of you guys. I know of the channel. I don't know of the beef in particular. I don't know <laughs> what was said about me or if it's something about Dennis or what the case is around the beef. But uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Please educate me on the beef. I don't know anything that's going on, or uh, I'm not fully like you know well-researched on the beef. Yeah, no, no. And I'm totally joking. And the only reason I say that is because I know you commented, you might have just like seen that we did something on Dennis, then commented and left, right? Like you didn't actually look through the episode to see what we right, said. Right, right, right. I'm sure I skimmed through it. And I think in the nature of these types of channels, there's like a lot of, you know, back and forth and, you know, quote unquote shit talking. But oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. pick it up <laughs> as a beef per se. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I it, it definitely was never that serious. We're totally, and yeah, no. I think the thing was is that everything, which I guess we'll get to what everything is, but like everything with Dennis kind of started going a little downhill towards the beginning of when we had started this podcast. So it really coincided with just like the topics we were covering. It was like right off the bat. Then it just became kind of a thing we felt like we were seeing through. And with the roast going on, it was a lot to talk about. <laughs> but we definitely want to hear your perspective of how you got here. Because we like the reason we were covering it all is because we actually used to watch Dennis because he had covered stuff that Jesse had been involved in like over a year ago and like was one of the first people to cover things. So we were always like, oh, cool, he's on it. Then things started to get a little weird, but you came into play and we want to know how that origin story happened. I do want to just say really quick, I don't, you probably don't know this, but Lily and I, yes, we have this podcast that is surrounded around current events, but we were, it, we've been influencers for over a decade. So like internet drama, like, is our thing now, I guess, because we like to talk, but we always bring our perspective of kind of like the behind the scenes of an influencer's perspective of cancellation and what people might be thinking when they're doing certain things. So that's like the whole point of our podcast. It's not just a shit on people. It did turn into a little bit of a shitting on, on Dennis party a little bit because we found it funny. But for the majority of the time, I do want to let you know that's not what we do the majority of the time. But yes, what Lily said, I'm intrigued to hear more. Well, uh, as far as my organist or just story as far as where you guys found me on the Def Nuna show. I started uh, last November. I was casted through uh, my agent and my casting agent through, um, to Dennis's show. Essentially, I got picked up. I'm so sorry to interrupt you already, what? but stop, stop already. <laughs> like, ha so you weren't, you weren't, guys were not friends. You met him through a purely business, like a casting situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Purely business. Uh, I've been doing stand up now 13 years. And, um, you know, I dabble off and on. It's kind of like, do you want to do the acting thing? Do you want to get into more roles? Do you want to, you know, get other opportunities for commercials and stuff like that? So, yeah, I had a friend that had uh, signed me up for this agency. I want to say about three or four months into it, I got this role to be casted on to a podcast show. And I thought it was really interesting and kind of like more so just to tell of the turn of kind of how the entertainment and the bridge between online and you know i guess typical hollywood is kind of getting even more shorter so i thought that was kind of funny that i was getting casted on a podcast i sent my audition what was required of the audition what, what was required of the audition okay the audition was like do 
three jokes based off of like some characters that were at the time in the news one i'm trying to remember it was a model that i guess beat up his girlfriend i don't know if you know what was the name of the model right now but it was a model who got into some domestic dispute they wanted me to kind of make a, a joke or like a riff or like see if i can come up with something interesting about it so like a topical thing to just do something comedy related yeah it was like comedy related but like you know giving it a social bent to like whatever social media is going on or like these people who are influencers these are like people who are influencers yeah. or people who are popular in social media i didn't know who they were but it was like four or five different couples and they wanted me to kind of look at their stories and do riffs about these and couples right to your understanding this was like an agreed upon paid role right or was it like kind of voluntarily this is a casting role right so this yeah is obviously going to be a paid role so yeah um i sent the cast in they liked it and we shot a pilot commercial at the end of november in 2022 or 2021, I'm sorry. We shot a pilot commercial at the end of 2021. That pilot went on to be like the first episode of that January of last year. Which I don't even remember him promoting the podcast until like, what? because we didn't start this podcast until July of last year. Yeah, so the podcast was essentially already in the works as far as for us to come together. We had met in November of uh last year two years ago now it's so weird talking about it at the start of year 2022 we had like a pilot episode with me and dennis and then we had these other characters that were also casted on the show gabe and leah us three were essentially the beginning of that podcast team okay and were you like going did you have like certain days you were set to go in like what were your responsibilities yeah so um in the beginning we were doing it just once a week and we had over the course of i think the first four or five months we had maybe three different locations because we didn't have a physical uh, location at that time yeah we we're just meeting up once a week i think it was like either a monday or a friday all three of us would meet up and record the podcast and then we'll go about our ways you know we'll be paid for that one day and then we'll go about our ways but we agreed initially that there's going to be obviously a pay increase as we increase the nature of the show and the content that we're doing. That's surprising to me because I feel like I completely had this, I don't even know now that I'm looking back where I got it, this impression that you guys were just like maybe longtime friends from like the comedy scene or from like high school. I don't know, you guys- Honestly, that's kind of how he made it seem. Yeah. It's kind of like a relationship, right? You get into a relationship, and those first two to three months, you know, it's kind of like the honeymoon and things are going well and you guys are kind of gelling and getting to know each other. So naturally, like the person that I am and I, I would like to assume most people, you would like to be friends and work in a cohesive oh, manner. For sure. Well, especially the nature of this kind of work. You don't want to be working with people you don't like. Right, right, right. Well, in any capacity, you don't want to work with people you don't like. So yeah, we naturally became friends, all three of us, Gabe, Leah, and Dennis. You know, we were bonding over whatever this content that we're making. So we naturally became cool. And it was a fun endeavor as we were doing it. It seems like where things shifted, at least initially, was when he got the comedy club. I put that in quotes just because to our understanding, and please, I would love any insight on this. It was like a storefront. It's like a retail space that he 
rented. Originally, this, I think, got a lot of attention why people were talking about the roast so much is because he was holding these roasts, but it didn't seem like he was zoned to have an event space. It seemed like it was kind of like a retail space he was using as an office and then also saying it was a comedy club, but he didn't go about the proper steps to make it actually one. Well, that's kind of like, I don't know. I, in some ways, I feel like that's kind of like nitpicking a little bit because it's like when it comes down to it, if you have a space and you can retrofit it out for people to come and enjoy it as it is, to me, it really doesn't matter. Like that's for that's for other people to decide. I mean, I think one of our biggest concerns going into it, and this is when we were still like, we still watched him, is that we were like, it's for someone that has hundreds of thousands, like he was getting a lot of views at one point to then open up a space. It just, it seemed kind of like there wasn't that much planning involved and almost to an extent would be dangerous because he was kind of instigating arguments with people online and then being like, come show up at this place. In that sense, yes. Like if he were just to open up a space, yeah, it didn't matter if it was an old burgers joint and he wanted to sell clothes out of it because if people fuck with you, they're going to come buy clothes out of the burger joint. They don't give a fuck what it used to be or if it's zoned or if you can sell drinks or not. The problem was that there was just so much quote unquote drama or animosity or just like ways that wasn't clear or cohesive that felt warm to the people who did want to rock out with us collectively or Dennis to where a lot of people felt like it was a very contingent and negative space after the second roast battle where Lily was like, um, did the shift start at the comedy club? Not necessarily. I think the shift started like right before the comedy club for me, as far as in-house as a, as a producer and the creator, because it's like, there were certain agreements that we weren't fully aligning with all the way leading up to the club. Right. So there were some things that were kind of like, man, I wish creatively we would have took this step or we would have went this direction or at least met these agreements before opening up the club. So we were already kind of on shaky ground. The club was kind of like a quote unquote godsend. It was a blessing in disguise. It was like a way to make amends if we were to do it correctly, right? The problem with the club was it wasn't like the zoning and the drinks and all that. It was the fact that we were allowed to be pushed into roast battling with the the energy and animosity and like the negativity on our backs. He was using you guys as a pawn to fight his internet battles. Right. And 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 the club collectively became like a battleground, a battleground for internet drama, which I despised because I was like, me personally, I've built up that's why I said it doesn't really matter. I've built up cafes. I've built up little art galleries. I've built up hole in the wall clubs in downtown that no one goes to and then they come to, you know? So it's like, it didn't matter to me the nature of it at first. It was just like, how was we going to participate in the space was going to make the difference. And the fact that we went into the space inviting this negativity, inviting this type of battle this battle of the drama and, and bringing in people who just kind of just wanted to sling and talk shit to me that's kind of like you know you're erecting a pyramid while there's a party going on and it's like you can't do the same thing you can't do that like you can't have a rager people destroying parts of the building equipment and then try to have an effective event at the same time you know so i just yeah. knew like those two energies wasn't going to mix in a cohesive way because we're just it's kind of like you're planning you're planting a new plant you can't plant a plant and then have 
rhinos come in into the garden. You know, all your plants are going to be destroyed. You know, you got to let these plants grow into like real trees first before you start hanging things from them. And I think people were so critical about the, ourselves included, critical about the logistical parts of it because they also seemed very indicative of how underplanned the entire show was, even if it was in a zoned area. It just seemed like he hadn't thought it all through. And then he took anyone even trying to politely criticize that as being, these people hate us. They just want to see us fail. And everyone's like, no, we're, we just are not really sure what's going on. Right. So it was kind of odd because the drama is going like on full fledged at the time we're opening up the, the club for the first show. And the experience that I have I'm trying to see if Dennis is applying any know-how to like what this really means on the, the largest scale, at least for this, this first initial opening up. And it got all the way to the point of the roast battle where there was like, like you kind of said, little to no planning. Dennis didn't have any regulation of like how to run a show, how to produce a show, what it takes to actually do something on a large scale or even a small scale like that. So it became pretty much on me in a weird, funny way, because I'm in the scene. I'm in the comedy space. And for me, Roast Battle is not quote unquote comedy, you know, like that. It's kind of like battle rap. And you didn't participate in the battles ever. No, 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 no. It, roast Battle was never a, a viable way, an option for comedy for me. It kind of just felt like a corny way of like, you know, telling jokes. It was kind of like and one. I don't know if you're familiar with basketball, but it was kind of like Harlem Globetrotters. It was like the circus version of basketball. It wasn't really basketball, you know? So I was just like, no, I'm a, I'm not really down to do roast battles because it's just not that funny to me. I don't really care about it. I don't care to participate. I'll host it. I, you know, figure out other ways to just make it work. What was your incentive to like help out with the roast? Like what I know you were starting with the podcast. Like what was your incentive to actually put in work and time and effort into the roast? Was it like you being a friend to Dennis at that point? Did you think that maybe monetarily in the future you could kind of make something off of that? Like what was your It's more of being a friend. It was like, all right, if you really want to do these roast battles, I'll call everybody who needs to pull up to participate in this roast battle to make it look at least somewhat functional, you know, so we can actually present something. So Dennis didn't know who, I mean, Dennis hasn't been doing comedy. If you and Lily, if Lily and Jensi set up a roast battle right now and you guys were like, we want to roast this other channel. If that channel doesn't pull up, what's the roast battle going to be? Great question. But wait, back up to Dennis doesn't do comedy. He begs to differ. What's your understanding of his history in comedy? No, well, this is what I'm saying. Like, Dennis wasn't doing stand-up when we met. Like, we, we know that. <laughs> Dennis wasn't known for doing stand-up when we met. You can't put on a stand-up, quote-unquote, adjacent comedy event. Who are you going to pull from? Who's going to be on your roster? Who's, who's, who's on the lineup? If you're looking to get YouTubers out, to a roast battle and none of them pull up and none of them come out, then what's the roast battle going to be? The roast battle became me calling my friends who do comedy and who do roast battles in the LA comedy scene to participate in this roast. And that's what you guys were seeing done pretty much slap skit 
together at the last minute. Well, and even we would say while watching it, it was like maybe give people time to prepare, tell them who they're going to be battling or something. But it was kind of like Def expected a bunch of people to come in and be able to roast each other based solely off appearance and nothing else and then have it be a huge success. And that was kind of like a last minute decision because yeah, no one prepared no one knew what was going on the best thing that you can do is like all right well we're just gonna have these six people roast each other at some random time or all together <laughs> i legitimately trusted the people that i brought in because i've seen them perform times and times and over again so for me it was kind of like behind the scenes it was kind of funny because i was like i'm just seeing my friends pull something together out of thin air which I know they have the ability to do it, but everyone else doesn't know if it's going to come to fruition or not. So I was just like, all right, we'll see how this goes. This is probably going to be like some testing ground or something funny or something interesting. But at the the bigger picture of it, I was looking at it still as this is a space where we can create community and cultivate, you know, activities and cultivate the artistry that we're looking to do on a long-term basis. So even if we're going to look like, you know, fucking chickens with our head cut off for the first couple of roast battles, so be it, you know, like, so be it. We have a space, we have an opportunity, and this won't be the only time we're being able to do something here, you know, on this level. I have to say, from the consumer standpoint, from the audience standpoint, I kind of saw a shift in you personally, kind of over time, you know, trying to, for lack of a better term, like knock some sense into Dennis and be like, hey, this is not what we want. We want to focus on comedy and trying to steer him, you know, on the podcast and whatnot. We did see that. But I'm very curious as to the dynamic behind the scenes you know when salvos came in did his crazy shit and then dennis goes backstage and is super hyped up on his podcast like this is epic this was the best roast yet what's going on in your head when you're seeing him react in a way that's like he just won the lottery but to you maybe it seemed like everything was falling apart like what was your mindset like i was just like this is trash this is <laughs> over this is over i don't know i hate to be like oh because i love the comments everyone was steven is David is not that funny, but he thinks he's a purist. And da -da. But like, I legitimately love comedy. I'm passionate about comedy. So I felt like we were doing somewhat of a disservice because I was like, this is cheapening what we want to do in the long term. So like that Savo shit, I hated that shit, even leading up to it, because Savo was able to, through the internet and through the drama, Savo was able to play like a real life troll character under the guise of comedy. And I was like, I despise people using comedy as an umbrella when they're not funny. If they're not legitimately funny, making someone laugh, if they're not telling jokes, they're not doing anything under the capacity of comedy that requires like real people doing the shit. Like that's not comedy. You just can't throw a banana at someone's face and say that that's comedy. Well, and I think the biggest head scratcher for all of us watching were that it was like after the second or third roast battle, definitely this is where I think Jesse and I at least noticed that you were kind of getting to your wits end. It would be like a roast happens and then there's a podcast every day 
and it's just Dennis venting about weirdly simultaneously how successful it was, but then also about the reason it was successful was because there's so many people talking about how much they hated it. And then you would kind of chime in and be like, maybe we should not talk about this anymore because it was seriously hours of like, you could pull probably 15 hours from like a couple weeks of just Dennis complaining about people not thinking he's funny and then telling everyone that the reason they don't think he's funny is because they don't understand comedy. Yeah, I wanted to kind of shift the gears on how we were facilitating the content and what we are doing about producing it and even the people that were getting involved because there's so many different opportunities that we had to where we could really just presented different ways of the podcast where it was entertaining, it was funny, it was insightful, and we could have just moved on episode by episode in that fashion. But no, a lot of the times we got stuck on talking about the the roast battles or the drama and <laughs> how successful it was through the hate. You know, it was kind of like that, you know, the show, the producers and the movie, the producers, it was like, how can we make a failed roast battle a success? That's kind of like the, the mindset of going into it. When was the moment, like your kind of aha moment of like, I, I actually don't know how things ended between you and Dennis, but did you have a moment that was like, I need to get out of here? Or did he tell you get out of here? Like, I'm not sure what happened there. I think Dennis kind of made the decision by letting go of Corey. And that kind of affected oh. my decision. So, I mean, as the money wasn't coming in, really, to be honest, like, when was the aha moment? The aha they, was well before he, the roast battles. <laughs> was there a point that he just was paying you and then stopped? No, I just wasn't getting paid what we agreed on. Instead of getting paid, you know, for six things, I'm getting paid for one thing. Were most of the payments, was it all like a day rate situation? There wasn't any kind of like long-term like no like salary or anything right exactly 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 it was like some day rate type of shit which wasn't the agreement but through the drama through you know just the shit going on it's like things gets basically set in the, on the back burner or things don't get brought up again or when they do get brought up they don't meet the agreement like they said they was so uh, one of the aha ha ha moments was well before the roast battle but i think what got me pretty much out was november last november right before me and y'all had to be here went to new york for the new york comedy festival dennis had agreed to once again increase my pay in that november and then that november came and my increase in pay did not so at that point i was just like you know what i'm just gonna plan out the rest of this year because at this point i have maybe more than 15 really close friends involved in this space directly like me and corey have planned monday through friday in the club monday we have a mic that our friend alice is hosting alice hamilton who's hilarious as fuck on tuesday we have our friend randy hosting a mic on wednesday we have my friend camille hosting a mic on thursday Corey and myself will host the killer mic on friday we would have shows people would buy tickets to this and like would pack this every single night of the week so it depends on what the event was on some of these nights we had shows and some of these nights there were just mics right just open mics for people to come in and practice right so yes yeah, some of these shows we would sell out and then some of these shows were just mics and the mic in itself is another form of capital because now you're 
able to get these this social capital and build up the club where you have another 30, 50 people who are coming in just to be a part of the space and make it a space, make it entertaining, right? So you have a plethora of entertainers, you have a plethora of guests, you have a plethora of people in there enjoying themselves. And that was because of me and Corey's jewelry. Imagine if you bring in 15 to 20 of your close friends to work out of this space that you're not fully getting the financial benefits out of, but there is a quote unquote community artistic benefit because there's not a lot of spaces to perform. So now that you do have one and people do have the ability to do some things that are really interesting and cool, you don't want to take that away from them. I think the biggest issue was like the idea in itself sounds great. And it is like, sounds totally like 100% on board, except for the audience that Dennis was using to like lure you guys in and be like, look it, we can use my audience and my space. And we have all of these resources. He had built that audience off an entirely different world of content than he was then offering with this comedy club. He had been doing daily drama cover. Like he got big for, from covering like Nick Akato Avocado the Muckbanger. But he's saying too that, you know, maybe for the roast battles, that's where Dennis was bringing in his audience. But from what you're saying, every other day of the week, it was just you and Corey bringing in people, not Dennis and his audience. Right, and those first two roast battles, keep in mind like, yeah, even though Dennis has a drama channel, those first two roast battles, we had, quote unquote, Death Noodle supporters drive from Arizona, San Diego. But, but uh, those people would have come if he had like a little like meet and greet party and were like, come hang out with me, you know? Right. But the thing was, they stopped becoming because the energy of the roast battles was so negative. And it's not a, it was a dangerous environment. Right, right, right. To say the least, it was a dangerous environment. There was an overlap between people who were like part of the channel and people who just generally just wanted to come and be entertained by what we were doing. There was a middle ground of people who had, quote unquote, just their head on the shoulders and just wanted to be a part of the, the space. It was really like the third or fourth one after the Sava one or around the Sava one where people were really distasteful about coming out as far as people who were supporting you know, deaf noodles like that on this channel on the ground. And since you were so responsible for kind of like the existence of the club, I guess, like it maintaining people coming in, did you guys sell tickets for these shows? Were these free shows? And if you did sell tickets, did you get a percentage of those tickets? If you don't mind me asking. So the first, I want to say the first, maybe the first show or the first two shows, not more than three, no. So like the first two, three shows we did, we split the tickets and I made a pretty good amount of money. That was a problem too, because the nature of going into the roast battles and then having like people in Canada call, you know, our fucking LA uh, health department or some shit like that. Like that's where, where the, the zoning and like the drinks and shit like that kind of got odd because now you have just, People who really don't give a fuck about the success of it, trying to clearly cut it down and shut it down. So that's when we stopped selling tickets and we just pretty much had it at like a free event, you know, because it's like, all right, we don't want to raise any too many red flags. There's so many people calling about permits and yada, 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 where it's such a negative thing where Dennis didn't want to continue to move forward like that. So we stopped selling tickets. And I think the nature of that could have been completely different. Like I said in the beginning, it didn't matter if it was a burger store or, or a clothing store. 
if people want to rock with you, they're going to rock with you if they respect you. But the moment that somehow people don't respect you or you have people across the pond who just, you know, are, are picking on you, then that's when you have to probably take a different strategy and have everything, you know, all your 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 eyes dotted and your teeth crossed and shit like that. I was going to say, I think a lot of people afterwards probably prompted more people to reach out because, yeah, we're not trying to be Karens. Obviously, the zoning, I don't, I think had he not made it all such a big deal and like thrown it all together so fast, that probably wouldn't have seemed as concerning, but it just seemed like he really didn't think things through. Like even like, what was the capacity of this place? Like, did he have security people there? It just seemed like there was a lot or of- Or if he wasn't taunting people while these shows were going on, I think that made people more angry, then people are more likely to dig and wanna and then see him face was, repercussions. He was going on the podcast saying, like, by, it was while he would be on the podcast, he'd be ordering weed that he'd be like giving out for free. Like, I smoke a lot of weed, that's weird. A lot of me thought that maybe it was all just a troll from like Dennis as it was going on, his like cadence, the way that he was perceiving everything as amazing and you know, screw everybody else and all this shit he would say on Twitter. Was that a troll? What was he doing <laughs> like during that time? What was his mindset from someone that was actually personally there with him when he was taunting people, when he was being, for lack of a better word, like super cocky and like off-putting, what was that like? What was he doing? Uh, I think it's just a matter of like someone completely in the light, in the way to where they turn their back on any real constructive clarity on how to move forward. Because I think people get into positions like this and uh, it's either all gas or all break. I guess a good example would have been like when he went to Vegas for that weird like he was going to be in a show. I thought that was odd. I did not. I don't know why he did that. So this guy who pulled up at our show, I'm from, I can't even think of his name right now, essentially offered Dennis a spot. And I hadn't, I I don't even, I had, I, I don't know. So it's like, if I haven't seen you in the scene doing stand up like that, I'm not saying that I'm everybody who should know somebody, but it's like, it just didn't seem that I couldn't fathom was it. was offering a spot in Vegas to Dennis out of nowhere and it's like where, 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 why didn't I get a spot you know I'm like I've been telling jokes just as long I got family in Vegas I got people who pull up to the ticket you know like where you mean? he went to Vegas he did he did he didn't do a show he didn't even do a show no. he ended up pretty much getting scammed going out there and um he just turned back right around once he got there. Why is he apologizing now? Why is he going around trying to explain himself all of a sudden? Is it the realization of, shit, this didn't work out for me? Do you think if things would have worked out for him, he would still be apologizing for the things he did? I think it's just the YouTube arc. That's what people do on YouTube. They have an arc where they apologize a lot. And I don't know, my mom told me, if you apologize, it's a kind of two-parted, you know, you you tell them the person why you apologize and then you're trying to make them whole again, you know? So it's like, if apology isn't one specific and two in any way trying to, you know, bring any, any, um, mediation or yeah, just like forgiveness to the situation. then it's like, it's kind of like an empty apology. It's kind of like he's going on an apology tour. And, um, I think, I mean, to be honest though, Everyone's fucking mental health is involved. You know, everybody is going through shit. He's probably reaching at something. He's probably scratching at something that is real. 
but he hasn't fully got to whatever that kernel is because, you know, you really have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to apologize, and you have to really allow yourself to be open and honest and be willing to repair whatever the shit that you did to require the apology. So if you're not able to repair or even welcome to have that conversation, you probably should just shut up. You know, because your apology is pretty much empty. I don't know who he's apology, who he's apologizing to. Well, that's what I was going to say. I thought it was ironic that the people he's apologizing to are so random. But where's your like, I know that you tweeted you wanted an apology. And it seems like he's too busy apologizing to people like Kavos, the YouTuber that he said he wanted to street fight. Right. That's kind of and now I had a visceral reaction to that tweet. That's why I made that tweet, because I was just at the time I'm freshly coming back from New York on my own little bullshit that I was doing out there. And when I see something like that and I know the situation that Corey, myself, even our y'all have to be here podcast is pretty much on hold, even though we're on tour. We just got back from Portland and Seattle, but we were recording every Friday at the spot. We're not doing that anymore. We haven't been doing that for like three or four months now. So now we have to find a new location to record. We have to continue to do our podcast somewhere else. And when I seen that he was apologizing to other people, I was just like, man, that's kind of foul because you haven't even apologized to the people in house yet. Like the people actually helping you try to keep this shit afloat. Well, that's why we were kind of questioning how genuine the apology is and if it's just because he feels like he has to or if because he means it. What is he going to do now without you? Because <laughs> you seem like someone that was like the glue that held everything together. So I'm really curious as to, is he going to keep this? Is, does he still have the comedy club? And if so, like, what's he going to do with it if you were the one running everything? Well, and it sounds like he got, the reason you guys all cut ties is because he couldn't pay any of you anymore, right? Well, I wouldn't use the word couldn't. Now I'm more like. Just didn't. <gasps> yeah. Didn't. Okay, well, because I was going to say, because if then maybe he, I, how much longer could he afford the studio? Oh, I think he can afford the studio. By, I mean, he has like a, another $200,000 loan coming in. He's fine. He's financially good. He's fine to take care of the club. Like, no, the club will continue to go on without me. I mean, I called it, me and my friends had called it well before this has happened. We've already seen it happen before. I've been a part of different establishments to where you build it up and they can pull you out. The people who are involved won't even know that you were part of the building of the process. They won't even know your name is on the brick, kind of like a food recipe, right? Let's say you and, and Lily and, and uh, Jesse, y'all have like a peach pie that y'all been baking for 2000 years, right? But the last 40 years, a particular cinnamon you guys can't forge, but the pie is still good. So the generation that's just been eating the pie the last 30 years, they like the pie, but there's people who are like, man, you don't know what the pie used to taste like. You don't know what the pie used to have when we used to have the cinnamon, you know? So it's just like, it's always that type of thing to where a lot of people are not going to remember what it really was when we first built it up and the years will go by and people will forget and new people will be brought in and people who want quality less or people who are less talented and people who have less experience will come in and ask less questions and they'll continue to be able to run the space and shoot things out of there and do things out of there and it'll just go on like you know happy days and like nothing ever happened do you wish you had asked like more questions always always wish i had more asked more questions but um also it's either like things would have either 
gone the way that we agreed upon it or it would eventually happen the way that they happen like this i've had contracts i've built out places i did the same thing i was it was so weird because i was just telling dennis how the same thing had happened to me at formosa i had been working at formosa for nine months building up three different comedy nights at this club and it was legendary it was hilarious people was coming in all over for the nation we have comics coming in from New York, from Chicago, from D.C., who were well-known, who were famous, who were doing really cool shit. And we were having sold-out nights there. And all it took for the Formosa to say, well, we think your Sunday night it really doesn't meet our demographic, which was like, it's it's too Black. You know, it, it's, it's, we don't know if that meets our Chinese food demographic. But it's like, where was you six months ago when there was no one in here? They rather take the loss of pulling me out than to have the success of a club of being there with the type of people that I was in there with, having a great time doing what we're doing, making them money, which I wasn't getting any of that, you know? So it's like, it happens. And I had a contract with Formosa. They didn't buy by the contract. And it's up to me to find a way to enforce it. And now I have to find a way to enforce the contract that we agreed upon. That ends up being just as expensive as not enforcing the contract to begin with. Right, right. So it was the same thing with Dennis. So once again, I built up the spot. I brought everybody involved. And it's a beautiful thing because you create community with that. Like, I would hate to have all my friends pull out just because what me and Dennis did didn't work out, you know. But am I going to call, hey, Alice, hey, Camille, Hey, all you guys that we've been doing the mics and shows there for the past six months. You know, things are not really working out. You got to move your mic now. Are they out as well? They're still performing there or are they done performing at that club? No, uh, I would say a portion of people like when it when the riff initially happened, a lot of people were like, we're not fucking with Dennis because of you. And we met Dennis through you. So we're not going to go over there and participate in his club. But a lot of things were already set. Like Alice was already doing her weekly mic there and Camille was already doing her weekly mic there. Like, where is she going to move it to? And why should she have to move it? It'll be his responsibility, though, to maintain those relationships, because it seems like you were doing a lot of that. I was. I was. They could just see it as a means to an end. You know, they can just be like, we're just in and out doing our mic and we're just going to be, you know, that's just going to be it. Keep it business. But I was me and Corey was the means as far as keeping the relationships together in that space. And even some of the times, a lot of the guests that was coming in there. It sounds like. I think you guys had like the idea behind everything and Dennis kind of acted like he was on board with that idea, but had his own agenda that he was operating on. And I hope that it wasn't too discouraging for you guys and that you guys should definitely keep trying to do. I think you guys had your head on the right direction going down that path. And I think that Dennis kind of just had some baggage that messed everything up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what he's going to do is continue. He's going to reach out to all the people that I brought in, which he did, and have their run shows instead of me and Corey. So he reached out to like Los Digits. He reached out to Kevin Quigley, Miranda. I do have one one question again, because even you had said earlier when like he hadn't been doing comedy, when he would argue all the time and say that he had such experience in stand up and that he was like a stand up comedian, was no one after when the camera was off being like, but 
you aren't, Dennis. Like, did he ever, did he say that kind of stuff to you guys? Because he acted to his audience as if he is, I'm trying to think of a famous stand-up comedian, but as if he has been around the block a while. He's been, he had at one point in time been doing a lot of open mics in New York, right? So he can talk the shop of comedy. That is to be, you know, counted as some form of, of legitimacy. But to be honest, like the proof is always on the stage. I don't know if you know this, but we, we did ask our audience. We let them know we were doing this interview and we asked them if they had any questions for you. And I feel like we've asked you all of them. But one of the ones we have not asked um, yet that I am curious, it kind of leads into that. Is Dennis funny to you? No. Do you think Dennis? <laughs> okay. All right. No. <laughs> okay. Is his thing not being funny? Because he kind of presents it as like, my thing is that I'm not funny or I'm awkward. Is that funny to you? That part? Is his thing not being funny? Is that funny? Is that what you're asking? No, because he's described it as that. He says, well, my thing is that I'm awkward and like not basically not funny. And I'm just awkward and make things weird. Is that a form of comedy? Because genuinely, I don't know. I'm not a stand-up comedian. Well, this is what I say. Like anybody who gets up on stage enough they will find some, hopefully by the grace of God, they will find a rhythm. They will find a rhythm and they will find some type of comedy. And is that a form of comedy? Yes, I have seen people be awkward as funny as a form of comedy. Yes, that can be successful form of comedy. So he did have some funny jokes. You know, he did have some funny things that he said. He did make me laugh a couple of times, yes. Say one, Steven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, it looks like we um, may have lost Steven there. Yeah. Um, we're trying to get him back, yeah. but if not, wow. Um, this was, was great. That was, it was pretty eye-opening. We got some good nuggets of info. Yeah, guys, I didn't want to, I, I know I might have seemed very quiet. We are like recording a Zoom. Like I didn't want there to be a situation where I fucked up like what he was saying. So I just want to let him talk and do his thing. But I am literally in awe. Like he was casted to be on the podcast. Like. We all just see Dennis as this like amateur at fucking everything. And he has this huge $200,000 loan. Okay, well that, that honestly, if you look back at my face when he says that, I'm like, huh? I was just thinking though, like back to how he was presenting everything when he got the studio, when he hired Israel and Tiana and he has employees. I had said then he made it sound very much like he was running like a YouTube network, kind of like how clever was or like Defy was. And he had like the podcast studio. He had this, he acted like he had his hands in all the different pots. Plot twist, it was all just one pot. But um, I think it does make sense that he would have gone through an agency because of how legit he felt like it was and how I even, when he got the studio originally, how I said, I thought that made him feel like it really legitimized him as a business. Clearly that was during the same kind of era as when he got the office is when he did this casting. So he probably hired someone as just like a one-off to get these people and I think what I'm surprised though by is him saying how long ago that all happened. That they were on the podcast for like a while before we even were introduced to him. I literally feel like I'm in a fever dream. Like characters on a podcast, you guys filmed a pilot for the podcast. He pays people weekly. And then he never promoted on his channel that actually got the views. That's why I was Bro, confused. Bro, that's the craziest part because his podcast is really bad. Like it has always and forever gotten like a thousand views maximum, which like I don't want to shame, I don't want to be Brett Rivera here. Like I don't want to shame him for his views. <laughs> But you would think if you're putting that much like equity into something that you're gonna want it to do well. And he just like, I found out he had a podcast, not through him. I think it was through the roast. And, and we always said marketing was never his strong suit. 
But like, holy shit, dude. Like you were paying all these people for that long. Like he was paying them once a week and we didn't even know they existed until the rose. I know. Yeah. Not the best use of his money, but apparently he's doing all right if he got a $200,000 loan. I mean. I don't know if you have to be doing all Like he was doing all right whenever that got approved and then he had it lined up. So I, I don't know, but Steven made it seem like he's doing pretty well and just for some reason isn't fucking paying people. I thought he wasn't paying people because he's broke. Say, well, that's what I, I, that's what I had gathered from what he said, but then clearly not. But so. yeah, all in all, I really appreciate Stephen coming on. I think that, you know, some people were really skeptical. I even saw people thinking this was going to go south and like all this. I knew it wouldn't. Like How he seems like a nice, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. We're not going to like badger him or vice versa. I really feel for him. I think that he's someone who tried, you know, he really tried well, to and, make it and work. like I said to him, like, I think that him and Corey and like, I think they did have a vision and I appreciate how much they tried to get it to work out. And I think it is sad that Dennis does seem like he took advantage of them to just oh, 100%. Like, again, like run his own agenda. Yeah. But what's sad for even him is that that agenda wasn't like, oh, I'm going to personally like up my, no, he just fucked over everyone and including himself. I'm really curious to know what you guys think. We asked him most of the questions that you, I think all of the questions that you guys were curious about. And personally for me, that definitely provided a lot of insight. I would not have guessed a lot of that. And I feel like some sense of closure in the Deaf Noodles universe. I don't know. This was cool. Did you guys like it? This is our first interview. How'd we do? Oh my God, Jesse's like, should I do more talent outreach? Who should we have on next? Yeah, no, for real though. For real. Who should we have on next? Blippy? Bitch, I don't know how you don't know Blippy. I'm telling you, he's he's a thing. No, did you see the comments? Apparently he has like been in some kind of like two girls, one cup kind of situation. He may have explosively diarrhea on his friend's naked body. I have seen it. We all have a past. Just for kids. Anyway, I know, I know, I know. It's super disturbing. Okay, well, so anyway. we'll flash forward to us tomorrow when we film the rest of this episode. Wow. That was amazing, am I right? I mean, it ended a little abruptly, but I feel like we got a lot covered. Yesterday when we filmed that, I went downstairs and my husband was like, how'd it go? And then I told him, oh, and then his internet went out. And he's like, that was, that's it? His internet went out and you just said bye? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he probably much. like texted someone off camera and was like, unplug the internet now. <laughs> oh my God, stop. Oh, don't tell me that. I'm going to dream about it. Um, hopefully not. He he did um, message me and, you know, just say that he appreciated us. And I told him that I appreciated him. And I, I thought he was great. Super cool, chill guy. And I appreciate him being candid. You know, there was so many. I mean, from the get go, when he said that he was casted to that fucking podcast, I was just shook to the core. I really was. That was so unexpected. I wasn't that surprised because I know that at the time that he would have been casting him was exactly the time that he was acting like he had this like super legit business on his hands. So it makes sense that he was kind of playing it off bigger than it was to Steven as well. But the thing is, if what Steven's saying is true and he got a $200,000 business loan, then he's not playing it off at all. Like he genuinely has... I mean, we've talked about it before, right? He worked for like two years straight, making yeah. a lot of fucking money, hundreds of thousands of views a day, which equates to yeah. a lot of money over time. So I think he invested and is still investing a lot of that. Obviously trying to cut corners. I know that Steven thinks like that he just doesn't want to pay. I have a sneaking suspicion that he's going a little bit broke, if I had to guess. I was going to say, even if he has another loan coming in, he now sees that he has no money coming in. So like he's definitely in the red on his expenses, I'm sure because he can't possibly mean he doesn't get any sponsors and he doesn't make 
he doesn't get any views. So no, yeah, there's it, no profit coming in, and he's not he's not selling out. He's not selling out the place. I did find that part interesting, where Stephen was basically like, "I don't give a fuck if it's not zoned or like if we have a liquor license." And I was like, Steven. "Yeah," I was like, "Well, I mean, maybe we should care because like that's a problem. It's indicative of a, a much bigger problem of Def not doing his due diligence when running his business." On to our next topic, which could only be described as some sort of fever dream. SNL comedy sketch. A few people told us to talk about this and my first reaction was, should I know who Ariana DeBose is? And people responded that apparently I should because she has won awards and I, I've... I don't know. I've heard the name, but look, like, Jesse just Googled her. I've never seen that woman before in my life. I have never seen this woman in my life either. Uh, so she's an American actress, dancer, singer, and she's gotten a bunch of awards. She's highly respected in the industry. I mean, slay, you know what I mean? Except, I guess, for her performance at the Baptist. Well, I literally, the way I came across this, I shit you not, was just on my For You page, I saw what I'm about to show you. No previous context, no idea who this person is. I just see this. And that's really how I want you guys to experience it. For, you know, just I want us all to be a group on this. I want us all to feel yes, the feelings. Yes. The context we will give you is the the BAFTAs is the British Film Awards. It's basically like the Oscars for British people. Exactly. And yeah. um, I think that Ariana DeBose was hosting, but I'm not super confident about that. So that's not even full context. We're really, really good at researching you know. on this show. But, um, so I, this was a performance. All I know is it was, it was it a performance. Was. And in the beginning, there is singing that we're gonna cut through for copyright reasons. Oh, yes. I don't know if this fun little ditty is copyrighted, but I'm assuming because it's an award show, we gotta keep it really short. So I gotta just- Usually I think for, with Clever, it was like 15 to 20 seconds. Okay, well that should be enough time to get to Angela back. <laughs> oh, um, but I'm going to link it down below for your viewing pleasure. I recommend seeing the whole thing because it's an experience. Anyway, here we go. No context, and then we'll commentate on it. The category is outstanding debut. Charlotte Wells, we love After Sun. Georgia Helene, Blue Jeans, the one. Elena, Maya, the teamwork's grand. Good luck to you, Katie Brand. Electric Maladay, Marie Girl, what a slave. Sandy Powell without fellowship. Street Queen, can you fix this zip? All the ladies in the room, supporting and leading, all here I presume. Hong Chao, Dolly D, Carrie and Carrie with the C. Dame Emma, I'm so fond. And a girl, you were great and blonde. Danielle D, you broke my heart. Michelle, I've loved you from the start. Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola Davis, my woman king. Blanche Kate, you're a genius. And Jamie Lee, you are all of us. Jamie Lee's in it. Not Jamie Lee eating it up. House of Bata, the vibe is strong. Be true to you. You can't go wrong. Have faith in you and you Okay. It was mainly the rap portion that went viral because in the middle of this performance, she starts this like seemingly impromptu, but we learn it is previously planned. Um, Nothing in award shows isn't planned. Yeah, exactly. But like, it just is this ditty, okay? This, this rap, this expression of her appreciation for the women in the room, which slay for that. Um, but it goes so quickly 
off the rails and it's so unhinged not to mention that like I don't know if she was nervous or something but like the singing's really pitchy and it's really kind of a hard listen but then she goes to the rap and she's so uncontrollably hyperventilating and out of breath while she's like slaying this rap and a mixture of that with the like absolutely horrendous lyrics uh, my favorite being Angela Bassett did the thing like that is so fucking good that people have eaten it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, sister. I've got to say, Ariana was correct when she said you did the thing, especially in 2013. Have you chatted with her? Uh, I was, I, I DM'd her last night. I did. And I, yeah, uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. And, uh, you know, because there's a lot of attention and she is a-okay. I guess Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> huh? I, I feel like it, even now this is now the second time I'm watching it. I like can't even understand what she's saying. Like Nobody the only can. reason I even know whose name she's saying is because they're showing their reactions. No, nobody can. Listen, I don't know if it's because I'm someone who really enjoys musical theater and live performance in general that I just I'm eating this. I, I love it. It's making me feel alive again. But I don't think like, okay, here's the, the unfortunate part of the internet, right? We can't all kiki and laugh and just have a good old fucking time and, you know, chuckle out the fact that that was awful. That was awful. It was a flop. It was, it was camp. It was great, but it was horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like it was absolutely horrifying. I, I guess for me, I just like, it doesn't seem that out of place. What? In like past, like amongst past weird award show ditties, if you will, that like are really Lily. painful to like, I just, it's, yeah, it's bad. But like, I, the fact that it's like this huge, I don't know. Thing that you saw Ariana DeVos's rap. I did. I'm unclear as to what the fuck people are on about. And for me, it was joyous celebratory, sisterly, hot, spicy. And she is just so incredibly talented. I don't know what, I really don't know. The only thing I know is that it was shocking to me. You know, it's in a theater. It's not at tables. And so you're in a theater. And every, and so if you're sitting, if, if, if you're looking this way and there's the stage and you're watching her on stage, these camera people literally came, they would be like, look that way, they would be here. And you know they're there. You're like, why is this camera person this close to me? And I think a little of it was that there were these camera angles that were really, and we none of us knew what she was doing. So when they would cut to us, I was into it. By the time it got to me, I was into the music and I was having a great time. She is a fantastic talent. These people should shut the fuck up back the fuck off and let this woman just shine her light because she is fantastic. She's like performing as if, I don't know, like she's got all this fucking energy, like she's doing the Super Bowl and like only Jamie Lee Curtis is like eating it up. Everyone else is like blankly staring at her. Just the energy difference. It's so many elements. It's hard to explain to someone that doesn't see it. You know what I'm saying? But it's there. The it factor's there. It's weird for sure. I think it's brilliant. I, it's amazing. Like, but it's horrible. 
And people think that, like, this is just all her. Like, it, I, the fact she's deleted social media is... Okay, that's what I was going to say. Can't we just have a good fucking time, guys? Can't we just live our truth and have a, a laugh and sing Angela Bassett did the thing in our kitchen while we're doing the dishes and just, just be joyous? Why the fuck do you guys have to take it so far to run this poor woman off the internet? She had to delete her Twitter. Like, what were people saying? I don't... Let me see. There's an article here. I mean, they had to have been really bad. Oh, this was an opening... To the BAFTAs, by the way. That makes it even more epic. I mean, again, weird choice. A producer from the BAFTAs made sure to say that she put it together by herself in a couple of weeks with a musical director and choreographer, otherwise just saying like, wasn't me, I didn't, I didn't write that. Which that's, they don't go like, hey, we want you to open the BAFTAs. See what you come up with and come back like that. I, that's such a weird, that doesn't seem accurate to me. That seems like there was a meeting like, we want you to do this musical number and we're thinking in the middle, you do, the, it's like old people coming up with ideas and then she got the shit end of the stick and agreed to it. Yeah, it just says after receiving criticism and backlash, DuBose has seemingly deactivated her Twitter account and her Instagram account is still active, but she has not addressed the performance on that platform yet. And she, she doesn't have to. She didn't do anything wrong. That's the thing. And I'm like, if she's like this award-winning, like really successful, like I, I guess I just am missing why people are giving her like backlash. I get like thinking it's funny. Oh, and the producer also says that everybody he's spoken to who was in the room absolutely loved it. And the room was clapping. People were sort of dancing to the music, he says. I didn't get that vibe, but it could be. Could be, had to be there. Honestly, a lot of those things, like they're showing close-ups of people. Those people, like you don't know what's really going on in the room. I will, I'll give them that, but I I would have to guess that this probably wasn't a raging success in person either. Um, And it says that under a popular Instagram post rounding up some of the most amusing memes generated from her BAFTA's performance, the actress commented on Monday, Honestly, I love this, which is great. She loves the memes. I love that for her, a meme queen. What does it say? Angela Bassett did the thing. Sure, grandma, let's get you to bed. <laughs> you know what? Love a self-aware girl. And that's the thing. It's like, if she was just like a flop and like didn't have any talent or anything, this would be a much different situation. But I feel like if she's like actually this very talented person that has this great career, that this is like one kind of weird flop. Listen, live music is and live performance in general is very, very difficult. I've had my fair share of flops, okay, live, because there's so much energy and nerves that like literally you do low-key become feral. Like you're just like, <laughs> like you have all this adrenaline and I, I low-key, I feel her. Like Angela Bassett did do the thing and like she was just like really feeling it. And honestly, it was like, I love things like this because it's funny in a non-harmful way. Like I'm really sad she yeah. got like trolled, you know, off of Twitter because Twitter is like deadly. Like I can't with Twitter. Well, that's but, why I'm just confused like how people were mean. Because Twitter like, will like literally destroy anything and everyone in its existence. Like I it'll mean, just plow true, through yes. life. Yeah. So, you know, but it is so like lighthearted and fun. I love to like look at memes and funny shit like this, like Leah Michelle not being able to read, which she's addressed like a million times, by the way. Um, I was gonna say, she did again recently and I was I very know. happy about it. Every time she addresses the fact that she can't read, we get tagged in it on TikTok. Love that. Um, I enjoy. But 
I love things like that. Lighthearted. We're not talking about any crimes uh, or any horrendous things this episode. So love that for us. Except for like Def Noodles like scamming all his employees. But other than that, that is all that we have for you guys this episode. And I hope you enjoyed. Again, let us know your thoughts and um, concerns down below as you as you will. I know you will. You'll do it. <laughs> I was going to say, don't invite them so openly. <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. Stop it, Lily. We need to, we need to allow open communication. But anyway, guys, that's it for today's episode. We really appreciate you guys. We're so close to 50,000 subscribers. So you know what to do. Get your mom's phone, your boyfriend's phone, your husband's phone, your kid's tablet, and subscribe to this channel. <laughs> don't tell other people to subscribe. Go do it from multiple accounts. Yeah, no, literally. Don't worry about consent. Just steal devices and subscribe from them remember we are on all you know places where podcasts are spotify apple yes, podcasts correct. you can listen to us i think we're gonna start uploading our videos to spotify soon that's a thing that you didn't know existed but anyway thank you guys so much we love you and yeah we'll see you on sunday bye peace bye.